I wondered if the rumors were true, that he wasn't eating, wasn't taking care of himself, that he'd given way to despair. I was just passing by, and I thought I'd stop in, I said, working up a grin, though I didn't feel much in the mood for levity, and had begun to wish I'd stayed home and let my neighbors suffer in peace. And look, I said, I brought Tim and Tim too with me. The dogs, hearing their names, drew themselves up out of the frost-blighted bushes and pranced across the doormat, inserting the long, damp tubes of their snouts in the crack of the door. Gerard's voice was hoarse. I'm allergic to dogs, he said. Ten minutes later, after we'd gone through the preliminaries and I was seated on the cluttered couch in front of the dead fireplace while Tim and Tim too whined from the front porch, I said, Well, what about a cat? And then, because I was mortified at the state to which he'd sunk, his clothes were grubby. He smelled. The house was like a lounge in a transient hotel. I found myself quoting my wife's statistic about smiling pet owners. I'm allergic to cats, too, he said. He was perched uncomfortably on the canted edge of a rocker, and his eyes couldn't seem to find my face. But I understand your concern, and I appreciate it. And you're not the first. Half a dozen people have been by pushing one thing or another on me, pasta salad, a baked ham, profiteroles, and pets, too. Siamese fighting fish, hamsters, kittens. Mary Martinson caught me at the post office the other day, took hold of my arm, and lectured me for 15 minutes on the virtues of emus. Can you believe it? I feel foolish, I said. No, don't. You're right, all of you. I need to snap out of it. And you're right about a pet, too. He rose from the chair, which rocked crazily behind him. He was wearing a stained pair of white corduroy shorts and a sweatshirt that made him look as gaunt as the Maasai my wife and I had photographed on our safari to Kenya the previous spring. Let me show you, he said. And he wound his way through the tumbling stacks of magazines and newspapers scattered round the room and disappeared into the back hall. I sat there, feeling awkward. Was this what it would be like if my wife should die before me? But curious, too, and in a strange way validated. Gerard Loomis had a pet to keep him company. Mission accomplished. When he came back into the room, I thought at first he'd slipped into some sort of garish jacket or a cardigan. But then I saw, with a little jolt of surprise, that he was wearing a snake. Or, that is, a snake was draped over his shoulders, its extremities dangling beyond the length of his arms. It's a python, he said. Burmese. They get to be 25 feet long, though this one's just a baby. I must have said something, but I can't really recall now what it was. I wasn't a herpetophobe or anything like that. It was just that a snake wasn't what we'd had in mind. Snakes didn't fetch, didn't bound into the car, panting their joy, didn't speak when you held a rawhide bone just above shoulder level and twitched it invitingly. As far as I knew, they didn't do much of anything except exist and bite. So, what do you think? he said. His voice lacked enthusiasm as if he were trying to convince himself. Nice, I said. I don't know why I'm telling this story. Perhaps because what happened to Gerard could happen to any of us, I suppose, especially as we age and our spouses age and we're increasingly set adrift. But the thing is, the next part of what I'm going to relate here is a kind of fiction, really, or a fictive reconstruction of actual events. Because two days after I was introduced to Gerard's python, he was thinking then of naming it either Robbie or Siddhartha. My wife and I went off to Switzerland for an account I was overseeing there and didn't return for four months. In the interval, here's what happened. There was a heavy snowfall the week before Christmas that year, and for the space of nearly two days the power lines were down. Gerard woke the first morning to a preternaturally cold house, and his first thought was for the snake. The man in the pet shop at the mall had given him a long lecture before he bought the animal. They make great pets, he'd said. 
You can let them roam the house if you want, and they'll find the places where they're comfortable. And the nice thing is, they come up to you and curl up on the couch or wherever because of your body heat, you understand? The man, he wore a name tag that read Bozeman, and he looked to be in his forties with a gray-flecked goatee and his hair drawn back in a patchily dyed ponytail. Clearly enjoyed dispensing advice. As well he should, seeing that he was charging some four hundred dollars for a single reptile that must have been as common as a garden worm in its own country. But most of all, though, especially in this weather, you gotta keep him warm. This is a tropical animal we're talking about here, you understand? Never, and I mean never, let the temperature fall below eighty. Gerard tried the light on the nightstand, but it was out. Ditto the light in the hall. Outside the snow fell in clumps, as if it had been preformed into snowballs somewhere high in the troposphere. In the living room, the thermostat read sixty-three degrees, and when he tried to click the heat on, nothing happened. The next thing he knew, he was crumpling newspaper and stacking kindling in the fireplace.